strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat? Well, you could find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over a hundred different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash C-V-A-S-P-S to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. This week's Eccentric Minute, we're going to review one of our foundational single leg exercises, and that is the K-Box Split Squat. Just like with the squat, guys, make sure you got that tether taunt when you're at full extension, and set yourself a counterbalance. Here we're going to use the barbell on the rack. Sink it down just like a regular split squat, chest tall, and drive through that front foot. I really like that back plate there to take tension off that back toe. As we progress forward, that's going to be big time to help us even keep our weight forward more. As we increase intensity and decrease volume, we're also typically cutting depth, therefore increasing transfer when we're looking at stopping power at a greater height. Guys, give this one a shot. I'm sure that this is one that you're going to find some great carryover for your athletes. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have a really awesome show. We are joined by the University of Massachusetts, Andrew Cormier, to discuss how he has implemented the minimal dose with his athletes. After a quick rundown of how he got up to Amherst, He's going to dive right into where the driving factors behind this training he set up for the softball team up at UMass came from. And this includes, you know, teaching his athletes what full effort actually was and how they ended up planning out each of their training weeks. He then shares with us, you know, what improvements he saw by cutting the volume of the work with the athletes that he gets to work with and what their subjective response to this was. You know, next he's going to share with us what he's taken away from this experiment with cutting the volume and how he sees it impacting his programming in the future. Then we're going to finish off discussing how this model alters in-season training, how it shifted his focus with the team, and what he thought he did really well and some spots he could improve upon. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Andrew, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. You know, it's uh, excited always to get a different perspective is ways that we can improve our young people and I'm excited to get this one down because this is going to be one that's going to make some people think but before we get too far into the X's and O's of it let's let everybody know you know who you are where you're at and how you got up to Amherst. So my name is Andrew Cormier I uh, did my undergraduate and grad coursework at Springfield College during my grad school years I was a grad assistant at Amherst College which is about 45 minutes up the road and it's only two minutes from where I currently work right now. Between those two years of grad school, I did an internship at the University of Denver for a summer, 
with Coach Shaw, Coach Van Dyke was there at the time. Coach Gary Boros was there. Um, three great dudes to be able to learn from and went out there to truly learn like what a high performance model looked like. And they were probably the ones that were putting together the best at the time. So it was great to be out there for a summer. Returned from my second year at Amherst and got the opportunity to work with, I mean, I programmed and managed teams like uh, men's lacrosse, baseball, all of the men's and women's sprinters, jumpers, throws, volleyball, um, women's soccer. So I had a lot of responsibility there, which helped me for sure as a young coach. Once I finished grad school, I ended up interning at the University of Minnesota with Cal. That's where I met tons of good people and obviously got to be engulfed in Cal's method and learned a ton from him. After that, I got a job at College of the Holy Cross with Coach Oliver and again, worked with some great people and got to develop myself as a professional for sure. And I got a lot of leeway to try things and figure out what I really wanted to go with and taught me how to deal with some of the responsibility a little bit more. And I had free reign on terms of like what I wanted to do and great minds to bounce stuff off of. Coach Oliver has been there for a long time and shared an office with Chris Grodsky, who controls football there. And he's an amazing person and coach. So got to learn a ton there. And then the opportunity came up to join the UMass Amherst staff with Coach D, Joel, and everyone there. And it was an impressive staff to deal with. And the sports, honestly, were probably the most ideal for me in terms of what I kind of fell into with men's lacrosse, women's soccer, and softball. Uh, I played baseball the majority of my life, so softball kind of comes easy to me with the idea of it. And I had tons of experience with the soft, with the women's soccer and men's lacrosse. That's a that's a heck of a trip, man. And then a lot of like a lot of big timers to get the opportunity to learn on. Yeah, I mean that's what I pretty much went out to do. I basically saw what path I wanted to take and pursued it pretty aggressively in terms of applying for internships and communicating really well. Uh, I mean, there's a funny story with Coach Van Dyke where I probably had like a 20-plus email train with him before I ever went out to Denver because I was just like over the top with communicating with him. But worked out really well for me, obviously. I wouldn't suggest a lot of people doing that because it does probably get a little bit annoying to people who have to deal with that. But worked for me right now. <laughs> yeah, man. And now up there in, in sunny Amherst, with, yeah. uh, with with a with a unique methodology with how you're handling you know the sport that you're most familiar with. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, softball. It's I mean probably the most purely alactic sport there is. I guess you don't cover much yardage at all. Um, Twenty yard base paths, lots of purely just like power speed based movement. So. I ended up kind of setting up their entire offseason based off of like a sprint based model, almost a like a Tony Holler feed the cats esque. And obviously I had to adapt it a little bit in terms of training indoors after a certain period of time because the Northeast ends up getting cold. And as a team, softball trained at six fifteen in the morning on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. So we didn't really have the ability where hopefully it was like warmer later in the day. You're waking up and it's cold and it's probably wet. So just dealing with how to modify the program to also get a lot out of the speed and power training indoors, even if we can't sprint maximally all the time, which kind of worked out well. Um, I'll start off, I guess, by, for me, I really had to sit down with a coach and just 
figure out what it was that they were looking for and what their kind of team culture was with everything. And the current state of the team was they only had two seniors. So they're a pretty young team still. And seeing where they valued the strength and conditioning side of things with their sport, which most baseball and softball for the most part are pretty on board. Um, as long as it's a well thought out plan for strength and conditioning type stuff, because there's a ton of benefit. Um, which is difficult from a conditioning perspective because there's not any sort of aerobic-based running that really happens unless you're counting the jogging out to the field. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we set up most days where 20-hour blocks were happening right when you start the semester. So fall ball for them is a 20-hour block. They're playing two to four games. I don't think we ever really hit four, but two to three games on the weekends because classes are in session, but we're still training Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I set up their training. Basically all every day started with speed power drills, basically like our marches, skips, always drilling the same patterns. And they hear me say like very similar things consistently. That way that verbiage kind of got ingrained in what they were expected to do. And even just off the bat of teaching them how to do things with like full effort, because, you know, like it's easy, especially at 6.15 in the morning for people who want to kind of go through the motions. But I up front very like explained it very clearly of we need to put in the full effort that you would do within the sport, because if you're not training at the same like intensity and effort level within this that you would with the sport, you're not going to get as much out of it because we're not. I wouldn't really do as any excess volume unless I felt like it needed to be done. I set the base pretty quick in terms of um, every day with the speed power drills. And then two of the days during the week, we just did for our lift for like what our weight room stuff would be, it would just be isometric based training. And it was just getting a moving around the weight room where it was getting good circulation but it was never even remotely close to like lactic. It wasn't even really aerobic. Every single thing was in seven to 10 seconds of holds and they're moving, um, kind of getting them used to the positions that we would train in for the weight room movements. But at the end of the day, it was still based on like a purely a lactic um, training uh, target for every single exercise. And the middle day of the week, luckily when we first started, it was still warm enough outside, so we had a hill. So that's when I started to introduce a ton of our plyometric-based and sprint-based um, training days where it was we would just go to the hill. We would do like 10 to 15 yards of all of our speed power drills. We would add in all of our sprint training from there. We would add in all of our like jumping variations going up the hill to kind of reduce the the impact from landing but still getting them used to like what is expected with full intensity of a broad jump and what does a good landing look like? What does it mean to have good intent putting your floor into the ground and everything like that? So that kind of set the base and that lasted for almost the full 20 hours in terms of that middle day. And as we got basically the last week of fall ball for them, we got into some of our traditional weight training type of movements the most basic program I think I've ever done in terms of it was, I don't think we really had a day where we ever went 15 total reps, more than 15 total reps on like our main movement with like a trap bar or split squat. It was kept very minimal. 
and because the majority of our training was kept at basically like highest effort possible from a speed perspective we'd spend a lot of time warming up we'd sprint we'd have full rest in between sprints we would do a lot of jumping in between the jumping i would just pair a lot of their what would be like the shoulder prehab type of stuff that you do with any kind of throwing sport that way it was low enough intensity so they're still getting the care they need specific for their sport and what they're required to do for their sport but from a almost like a lower body perspective they still get to do like max intent and getting the full rest periods to get the most out of it the coach always kind of asked me to provide extra conditioning based on certain times so the way i looked at it with a 20-hour week was anything extra that they would do would just be non-impact based on the bike um, that way it was mostly concentric based training so there wasn't really much soreness from it and it was usually done on a bike that way it was again full intensity full rest periods and it basically got them used to having to perform like max effort on something all of the time, even though it wasn't actually going to tax them from a, like a joint standpoint. And that was the biggest thing that I preached to them at first was some people would come in to do that extra supplementary stuff and it would be like seven seconds max effort. And I see him like pedaling kind of hard, but not clearly not max effort. So I'd walk over to him and be like, Hey, how's that going? And they're like, yeah, it's pretty tough. I was like, are you going like as hard as you can? They're like, yeah, I'm going pretty hard. I was like, oh, so not as hard as you can. And that kind of like triggered them a little bit. And then you see them not even a minute later, just cranking it. So that was kind of like what I had to at first get in their heads was we actually need to learn how to train maximally because everyone wants to like save themselves a little bit. Of course, man, path of least resistance, right? Exactly. So um, Let's get into that then. Let's let's talk about what that then led to because, you know, like G.I. Joe said, right, knowing is half the battle. And especially when you're talking about what Uncle Tony talks about with these maximal efforts and the, the speed work, yeah. what then, what doors did all of that open for you? Well, it, it the girls themselves started to kind of verbalize how much they felt like they're benefiting from it. And I mean, I could definitely notice a difference in terms of how form was looking with sprinting. And we started to, once we got into those eight hour weeks, like it was almost full go on all explosive based movements. And again, the lifting itself stayed what I felt was minimal, but still effective to kind of allow them to increase like force production in general. But that allowed us to really get into higher volumes of of actual like sprinting and jumping during that eight hour period because now you're not competing with soreness and fatigue from three four games a week um and at that point it's mostly just like individuals with the coaches so we did a ton of if it wasn't sprinting like close to the length of the base path our facility allows us to pretty much get to a full 15 yard acceleration probably and then you have to slow down because we have equipment in the way, but we have a big enough space where we can accelerate for about 15 yards, which was really nice. Um, and once you got past that kind of stuff, we still got into all of our jumping. I basically just progressed the intensity of jumping, added in more multi-directional plyometric work and med ball stuff, of course, because rotational power for that sport, even just like frontal, pin, frontal plane 
kind of changing the movements a little bit for them because I still believe that if there's a sport that's probably the most overused sport, it's like a baseball or softball because they're always hitting all the time or they're always throwing and it's basically two same movements year round. So we worked on really just like hammering the basics and I basically couldn't lay off them at any point in terms of getting them to understand that we have to always exert effort because the reps were not, I mean, like Tony Holler says, you it's better to just do like way less work and get higher quality stuff done. And that's basically the way I went was let's just give as much intent as we can behind everything because they're still getting what, what, what I would consider is like capacity work during their individuals because training would say they're just hitting, they're probably still going to take a good amount of swings and they're probably still going to throw the ball a good amount. And their coaches do a really good job of managing all that. Like I'd never have to modify anything at any point, whether it was 20 or eight hours, just because the coaches are really smart with how they periodize that stuff, which I, again, is huge. And I think that's a big part is why this was successful. Um, going off of that, I mean, we still added in a little bit of extra strength work towards the end because eight hours, I thought I could probably apply a little bit more stress, especially right towards the end of the off season. Cause then after that they went home and they'll be reporting back basically in a week. Um, but testing from front to back, essentially beginning the year, I, I, we had to switch from like stopwatch to electric timing, but we still with those, I want to say, what's that like 12 weeks ish just on their 20 yard, the team average improved by almost like a little bit over 0.3 seconds. So almost three and a half tenths of a second on a 20. So everyone felt good. What was nice was the girls verbalized it. So we had like the subjective feedback. They feel fast. They feel fresh. They feel really good. But I luckily had the data to also kind of prove that, which I think is big just as much for coaches. Well, no doubt about it. So then what, what have you taken away from this as a coach? You know, I mean, this is obviously kind of a brave and different approach. So what has this done for Andrew as a coach to kind of understand a, the direction he took and b the direction he may be going in? Always had kind of faith that that's that idea would work, especially for a sport like this. Um, I've I've always toyed with the idea of like how much and I've heard you talk about it as well of how much can we actually like not do is like what is truly minimal effective dose and that's something I used to talk to coach Gratsky about all the time at Holy Cross as well as you know if we can set up training the right way from top to bottom what's like sport coach along with sports performance and getting the right therapies involved it's you can see vast improvements without really needing to work the kids like down to the bone. And I think that's what most people can probably take from that. And luckily data kind of proves that as well. And Tony Holler, of course, is the pioneer for it. And I think a lot of people are starting to catch on to that kind of stuff. But that was the the basically the biggest thing I learned was being able to apply this kind of stuff to the purest of power sports. I mean, track and field does it the best at most levels as well. I think a lot of sports can learn from that because at the end of the day with the training that I'm doing in the weight room with softball will only transfer so much because it's such a specific skill of hitting a softball, 
the different techniques because they have to slap it and everything like that and throwing. There's only so much I can improve with that without like overanalyzing and working well with my other sports in terms of I don't get to walk or watch their practice or their individuals all the time because I do have men's lacrosse and women's soccer here. So it's still I'm getting the most out of I can from what I felt were the biggest performance improvements that could be applied to the field for them without basically doing their sport. So then where do you think this may have had an impact on them in their non-competitive season skill development? You know, when you're looking at this minimal effective dose or whatever we want to call it today, the proper amount of work to get better, we could say. Yeah. Do you feel as though you actually were saving adaptive reserves so that they were able to then progress further on the field. Yeah, I I mean I think so. I, I think there's also a a certain amount of wiggle room that you'd be able to have too for I another thing I could add on to that is aside from anything that I did with them, I provide them resources with a binder. I call it like the get better binder, but it's all these protocols of like soft tissue care that you can do on your own stretching and basically breathing type protocols that you can do on your own anything to help with the recovery aspect of things whether you had whether you felt like you got pretty beat up or you're tired from what we did training in the weight room or what you did in individuals there's still ways for them to improve from that aspect and i think that allows them to maybe there's less actual like tension within how fatigued they are from training in the muscular level and just psychologically so they can actually move a little bit smoother, heads a little bit clearer because they're not as fatigued centrally that way they can actually get more out of their fine skill sports. I mean, all of us know general fatigue of the nervous system is going to impact negatively the like learning process. And with their sport, I, my opinion, I think it's one of the most learning intensive sports because of how on point you have to be with hand-eye coordination and timing with everything. Well, yeah, man, nothing's harder to do than hit a round ball with a round bat squarely, right? Exactly. <laughs> it was nice, too, because, I mean, they went home for Thanksgiving break. They had an entire week, and, you know, I saw what I saw where I thought I saw a good improvement. The players felt really good, and one of them had gone home to train for, like, the week with someone who they've been training with since high school, and that guy actually reached out saying, like, how much smoother she looked on everything, how much more powerful she looked, and that was a huge boost for me in terms of because I think everyone has some sort of internal bias based on my programs really solid what I'm seeing is really good but you can kind of just be trying to almost trick yourself into thinking it's doing more than it actually is but having a set of eyes that doesn't even know you kind of reach out and almost reaffirm what you're seeing as well kind of helped out I love it dude and it's always good to get that you know confirmation from from someone on the outside to to help you have a better understanding of what you saw yeah definitely and it's it's nice too i i think for the most part i got the point across of like the speed training thing can be a year-long process and it's not something that we just have like one off season of it's little things we can improve on and i made it very clear i communicated that pretty consistently especially with the players of we can always improve little things and by no means do I think we're like extremely proficient in some of the sprinting mechanics stuff. I think there's a lot to improve on and just with the improvement that we saw, that was really solid. And I vocalized that to the coach as well. Like, I think this should be our baseline. 
of where people come in if they're actually training year round consistently and taking care of themselves. And it's like, we can slowly improve from there, which in a sport like softball, it's pretty dangerous to be fast. Yeah. Now let's kind of turn this on its head and look now, this isn't going to air until uh, late March, early April. So we'll know then. Yeah. Well, well, you'll definitely know then. whether you share that or not with me is, is up to you, but yeah, Knowing the residual training effects of a lactic power and a lactic capacity, mm-hmm. what do you expect to see when these women return to campus? And how do you plan on evaluating them and then reorganizing the structure of training so that this preparation level continues to, to climb? So I would say... Like I, if they go home and take care of things, they should come back very close to where they left off, if not even better, because they're consistently hitting speed within these, uh, like the residual time frame, because it's two, three times a week for them. And the way I test it is we do a like a repeat sprint test where it's twenty seconds or a twenty yard sprint. We start every trying to think off the top of my head. I think it was we start at the top of every 30 seconds and they just do eight of those. So it's basically the length of the base path eight times in a row on a 30-second clock. And the way I explain it to them is imagine if you're on first, your teammate keeps, keeps hitting a foul ball and you took off every single time. So it's just getting them to understand too, like that can slightly transfer the game. Is it likely that you're going to hit eight in a row? No, but... That's how we'll test it, and when they come back, that's what we test right away. We'll test to 20, and we'll test their repeat sprint. And then the way we're going to set up training is because they'll have a high volume of games. I mean, softball in college is unreal for how many games they play. Uh, The training days that we do have will still be based – a lot of our work in the weight room will be based on that alactic capacity type work because our training, although it was not high volume, is still – probably closer to more volume than they'll do in a game. And then even honestly, possibly in a, a double header day. So our weight room work will actually have to be our driver for more overall work. And coaches already talked to me about how we can try and apply training when they travel. Cause I won't be able to travel with them. And once they're in the heart of the season, they'll be gone almost like Thursday to Saturday or Sunday, some days. So they'll have to kind of get that work in on their own, but it's nice because we set the foundation of, for the most part, the girls are pretty good about what's expected from that aspect with any sort of speed training. They have to take the full rest periods and understanding that. So they can do that at the field of like game day to kind of, I guess, potentiate if you want to say for the game. Yeah, you know, and I was kind of hoping that was the direction you were going in because, you know, you could look at this almost as sort of how people would look at and call it a primer, but really, basically, you've been training that way the whole time, so it's a stimulatory load, but it's still a primer. Yeah, and I mean, for the, say there's girls that don't get into a game all weekend, or maybe they get into one game. If anything, they might actually get more benefit out of that sprint work because they're actually a little bit fresher. So for them, it's almost a long-term training effect. And like I said, we have a young team. So even just doing this more consistently over time gets them a better base. And I mean, I think 
most of them will probably pick up on that. And I, again, I try to explain a lot to people so they understand where I'm coming from because some ideas obviously seem kind of out there at times. Um, but getting them to understand how that can apply, especially long term for a young team, I think that's huge. So now looking back at hindsight being 2020, what, if anything, are you giving yourself a high five for? And what, if anything, are you kind of like the face palm emoji over right now with this kind of drastic alteration to the preparation program? I would say for the high five, for the most part, I would say just sticking to it, like being confident enough to stick with the idea of like minimal effective dose, but being consistent with the speed and drilling very similar things year like all off season. So it got used like girls got used to that. Um face palm, I would I would say I'd still probably could have done a little bit better with applying a bit more um like rotational power work. And I it almost sucks because I'm saying that, but it's like we don't have some of the equipment that I would like to do that with. We can do med ball stuff, but we don't have much for any sort of cable work. But I would like to, and that's kind of the thought in the future. I even wrote that down right at the end. As I was putting this together for this talk, I was just thinking, I think in the future, long-term, it would work out where I do a bit more longer distance sprint training because the most we ever touched, I think, was 25 yards. And the girl has to round the bases. It's more than that. Um, so doing maybe a little bit more uh, farther distance running, but I would say getting more actual like rotational work in I, for me, it's probably the biggest thing I would still, for me, there's so much that I want to do. It, it sucks. I can't like bite off more than I can chew. I would like to do more individual evaluation of shoulder, um, hip. I did record their sprinting, but I'd actually like to see it from like almost a treadmill perspective of seeing how their foot interacts with the ground a little bit more closely. Cause I just had a side view when they're sprinting to look at more of, like postures and angles and everything like that. I love it, man. I love it because looking at it and always trying to find a way to get better is so key to what we do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely don't think this is the, the Holy grail. Like what I did is the Holy grail by any means. I think there's a lot that I can prove on, but I think at the moment it fit pretty well with, um, where the team was at, uh, like culture, like mentally, culturally, almost in terms of how they approach training and how young they are and getting even, I should add to that, even just getting them to fully be energized at 6.15 in the morning. There's days where I would like come out there, look at them and basically wait until someone said good morning. Cause they're all just like looking very sleepy and that stuff drives me crazy. Cause that's something we can control is energy. So, um, getting that into their head too, was pretty big. No doubt, brother. Well, listen, Andrew, let me get you out of here with this, buddy. Where can people see more of what you're doing and what you got going on up there? Uh, I basically only have an Instagram, which is uh, at andrew.cormiae, Cormier. And uh, I'll put random ideas that I have for training and anything sports performance related up there. And that's pretty much about it. I don't have a Twitter or Facebook or anything anymore. Um, and then my email is ascormier94 at gmail.com. That's probably the one I look at the most. I have my UMass one, but my personal one's just as good to reach out to. Awesome, brother. Well, truly appreciate your time today, man. This is awesome stuff and uh, really grateful for you sharing just 
this unique perspective and, and methodology that you implemented and had some great success with. So cheers to that, brother. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. We'll be in touch real soon. Sounds good. And a huge thanks to UMass's Andrew Cormier for spending the time with us today, guys. Just some open, honest, candid sharing and a person who's really willing to sit there and, and kind of stick his neck out and take a little take a little risk with what he was trying to do and try to do what was best for his athletes. And he seems to have been really paving the way and finding good stuff for for that team. And, I, and Andrew, I hope I hope it's continuing to go great, buddy. It's, it's really awesome to hear you know somebody's really willing to to give something a try and, and then not just try it, but share everything they're doing with everybody. So. I can't thank you enough for your open, honest, candid sharing with us today, man. This is absolutely awesome stuff. And guys, as always, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. As always, we're just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we can. And as always, guys, thank you for everything you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.